You know, fucking nut tat me in the middle of the show. <laughs> I promise I won't. All right. We got to talk about my shit. Never mind. I was kidding. What are we going to talk about? My shitty problems. But I was like, Alex is here. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, that kid's obsessed with poop. <laughs> All right, you ready? Yeah, let's rock. All right. Yeah, let's roll. Recording, so. It's time! Hello everyone, welcome back into another episode of Making the Walk. Um, I'm, of course, Andrew, one of your hosts. Uh, sitting next to me, Mike Grosh. Mike, how you doing today? You know, I'm a little itchy. The eczema is acting up and it's bothering me, but got some good lotion. <laughs> That's how we're going to start the show. We're winging it, baby. Stay hydrated. Yeah, stay hydrated too. Take some Epsom salt baths. Other than that, we're doing pretty good. Solid week of work. All right. Uh, our other contributor is not going to be here for the next, we believe, two weeks. Uh, Alex is not going to uh, – he has some work he's got to do for uh, his real-life job. Believe it or not, we, we don't do this for a living. So uh, he's got to do some coaching. So until then, it's going to be a Team Man podcast. And you'll also notice today we are both in person. Uh, hasn't happened for a while because of COVID issues and – uh, some other logistical problems that we've been experiencing. So it's good to have you back with us. Yeah, I mean, I finally got a mic and I can't even use it tonight. Yeah, my, it took. So Mike's been telling me that he was going to buy a microphone for the last. Since we started this damn Yeah, since we started. <laughs> so last November? November or October, whichever. I can't remember. Yeah. But we took a hiatus for the holidays and all that. Yeah. All right, so we'll jump right into our 270 picks. Um, it was a very hit or miss kind of a night. I think we spoke on the um, volatility volatility of betting this card. Yeah. Um, and it was I I didn't have a great night again. I think I'm this year has been a very tough year for me so far. 2022 or like betting wise in the UFC, it's been a tough year for me. It's been yeah. a bad start. I think we uh, maybe it's the uh, the betting gods evening out because I started this podcast really well. And it's been a decline since the turn of the year. I, I, I think I'm sitting actually pretty well. Not not officially, because obviously there's always that tempting to play something outside of what I say on here come fight night, which I'm going to try to do a better job on, especially after this weekend. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But, yeah, it's a, honestly a really fun card. We'll get into it. Um a lot of some stuff we did expect, some stuff we didn't expect. I don't know about you, but that's how I feel about it. All in all, I actually really enjoyed the first pay-per-view of the year. As did I. Um, very entertaining. Uh, I think we had six finishes. Somewhere in there, yeah. Uh, something like that. I think there was roughly around and the two. two fights that I thought would get finishes did not get finishes. Yeah, that was tough. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll jump right into the card here. Uh, Kay Hansen, Jasmine Judas Davidicus. Um, this one was part of a parlay pick that I had taken. Um, I know you also mentioned a parlay on this one. Uh, I actually ended up not putting her in the parlay. Uh, I did still take her by submission, like I said I would. Uh, that lost. Kay Hansen, right? Yeah, Kay Hansen. Yeah, I think we yeah. both we both ended up taking Kay Hansen in this. Um, and she was a large favorite. I think the one thing that you and me just did not 
maybe we just didn't look enough into it. And it's something that maybe um, in our future research, we think about a little bit more is who is the bigger fighter. Yeah, because... I, I did see that even when I did the my research. But I I was probably, honestly, it was probably a biased pick. I'll, I'll take the L on this one, obviously, because I lost money. But at the end of the day, I was probably pretty biased in my decision. I, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, and of course we're going to be biased towards our decisions. Uh, but... Yeah, we'll, we'll go over with this one quickly, but Jews Davidicus was a much, much bigger fighter and basically controlled from uh, from bell to bell, mm-hmm. um, whether that be on the feet where she was able to land those rangier punches. And then when she was getting in control, she'd push up, push Hanson up against the fence, get the fight to the ground, and from there um, she was long enough to, try, to, to be able to um, kind of control the distance on the ground. I know that's kind of a weird thing to think about, but um, able to control how she wanted that. Yeah, dictate where she was on the ground. Uh, and just just much stronger. Yeah, she was much stronger. stronger. I mean, obviously, she was the bigger fighter. I, I recognized last week that she was coming up in weight, Kay was, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't think it would matter. But she had really good spacing on the ground. That's what I was going yes. after. She had good spacing. Uh, dictating where it would take place and keeping uh, control, not giving up the arm or any other kind of uh, bottom uh, pathway to a bottom submission. All right, so we'll go on to the next one. In the There were only two fights on the early prelims. Mm-hmm. Um, one got scrapped, right? Yeah, I think yeah. we had a bunch got scrapped. Oh, there was only 11 fights uh, on the card. Yeah, the, yeah that's by right. The time, by the time the event started, I think they had slated like 16. So somewhere they dropped like 14 fights. Yeah, but they had... Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah. So, we'll go on to performance of the night. Uh, Sylvania Juarez uh, and Vanessa Demopoulos. Um, I had take, I took Juarez in this one, and I think I had mentioned um, I liked Juarez's uh, abilities on the feet and the fact that Demopoulos had to kind of sit in the pocket, and it, it, kind of, it almost worked. <coughs> I mean, you know, the whole reason why that fight went to the ground in the first place was because Juarez put Demopoulos down with a very nice combination and then for whatever reason chased her to the ground where I thought Demopoulos has an advantage um, and then she eventually was able to snag that arm and got the submission in that first round yeah, she did a fantastic job uh, especially after getting, not, getting rocked uh, making the recovery good good headspace you know that's something a lot of people wouldn't even be able to think about in the moment but a, a good way to you know keep herself calm uh think think about it in the moment and as you know put on a, a great com- not I, I don't know if i'd even call it a comeback you know the fight was only three minutes yeah but like you know um put on a great performance period obviously gets performance of the night uh submission I love the the little celebration with Joe after too. She all the in Joe's arm. She all the memes of like Joe's. It was like people uh, made a meme. It was like Joe's wife. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, Joe had a a former uh, exotic dancer in his arms. Shout out. Um, yeah. So if you guys didn't know the story, that would pull us uh, ten days before. I think it was ten days before the fight. Something like that. Uh, had quit her job as an adult entertainer, if we will. <laughs> yeah, I hate to say it. <laughs> And, uh, and and just started training full-time for, for her UFC uh, career. So 
Uh, good for her. Not good for me. Um, did yeah, you bet sure. that one? Yeah. Uh, I did not, actually. I, I I think I said it last week, but I didn't know enough going into it to make a comfortable decision. I might have agreed with your pick, I believe, if I remember correctly, but I, th- I ended up not taking it. I think that was one of the... Uh... That was one of the underdogs that I had taken. I think it might have been the only underdog I took in a card where there were plenty of underdogs to go out and find. And yeah, for definitely. Whatever reason, <laughs> just didn't seem to find it. Um, so we'll go on to the next fight. Uh, here we have Matt Frivola defeating Hanaro Valdez, I think is how you say it. Um, this is by knockout in the very first round. Um, he smoked him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he okay. did. I'm remembering this um, one right now. See, I took him by decision, so I I'm just like I'm all over the place. I, I initially said that I think that for or excuse me, Valdez um, has a good chin on him. Mm-hmm. So I didn't I didn't think Frivola was gonna knock him out. I did think that this was going to be a fun fight, and I thought that. Um, the way that Frivola was going to be able to win this fight, the easiest way was going to be to drag it to the mat. Yeah. Not the case. Yeah, so. I mean, I'm looking at the stats right now. Significant strikes, 60 to 10. It was under, it was an, it was an entertaining oh, very. two minutes. Yeah. Because they I mean, were... put a really, really tough pace on him, especially when a pace like that, when you're connecting <laughs> that often. He threw 71 strikes in two minutes. Yeah. And then well, he technically threw 114. He landed 70. Yeah, and then Valdez threw 40, nearly yeah. 40 strikes in two minutes. So I mean, it he was tripled. like a. He it looks like a what is it? Like two guys fighting outside, and they're just like throwing from the hip. Yeah. And they're just swinging back and forth, <laughs> with zero uh, zero defense, zero. Um, what is it? No, through just no through caution of the wind. Yeah. <laughs> so another L for me. Um, I did take Frivola in a parlay. Um, which worked out nicely, but, eh, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't say it on the podcast, so I guess we won't count it. I think I ended up, I did end up making money on this card through a bunch of panic parlays that I ended up taking in the, towards the end of the night. Yeah. But again, the prelims just screwed me. I don't know what it is with me and the prelims. I can't figure them out. I, I feel like. Me personally, with prelims, it's like either they have really good prelims, or not that these weren't, because I actually really enjoyed the prelims. Um, but like bigger names, more high profile guys, or every once in a while they'll throw in like Dominic Cruz on the on the prelim, so you really you know piques your interest. You want to see those fights, and that's fights I'm very comfortable with gambling on. But then there's ones like these, and. Um, I, I just don't know them enough. And, I, you know, it's a big roster. I definitely should know more of these guys. Uh, but it's like I, I'm not confident enough to be like, oh, yeah, this this guy's going to win. Um, maybe I should take more risks because it would make it more fun or more sad because I'll be losing more money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next fight, um, we had Tony Gravely beating Simon de Oliveira. Um, this was kind of what I expected it to be. Uh, Tony Gravely was kind of a better fighter all around. Dude, he took him down 11 times. Yes. And Oliveira is a very solid jiu-jitsu practitioner, but his wrestling stinks. Yeah, they were talking about that on the commentary. Not Obviously not saying his 
wrestling stinks, but in like it the lacks. most respe- yeah most respectful <laughs> way possible. Like Tony Gravely's a fantastic wrestler, yes. and if you can't stop a takedown, what do you think is gonna happen for 15 minutes? Yeah, and I know uh, people in the the arena were getting restless. I actually I enjoyed watching it. I know, kind of, you get that. Um, I don't want to sound like one of those like weird hardos. It's like, oh, people don't appreciate this stuff. Yeah. Blah blah blah. But like, have you like if you've ever tried taking another person down who kind of knows what they're doing? That's it's so hard to do. <laughs> it's so hard. And I'll, I, along those lines too, like I'll never be the the super hardo that's like. You can't appreciate it. I do enjoy fights like these because he's putting on a performance that you don't see. This is not the normal in the UFC or any MMA organization for someone to get 11 takedowns. It's special in its own way. I enjoy watching it. Obviously, as a wrestler, I can understand why they get a little restless because you want to see someone get knocked the fuck out. But at the same time, like, got to appreciate at least a little bit, you know, someone going out, getting a career high. And just dominating. Yeah, so um, kind of one for the wrestlers there. It was very ground heavy. (laughs) Um, And like you said, I I understand why people who, you know, they pay money to watch these fights and they want to see some action. And for a guy just to be dominating in one position, I can understand why that would be seen as a boring fight. Um, But I kind of enjoyed it. But anyways, I I I stayed away from that one. Me too. I... I, I mean, obviously, if I would have, I was thinking about taking by decision. Obviously, I didn't do it. So yeah. there's another, uh, an L by omission, I guess. <laughs> All right. So for the first win of the night, I took Jack Della, Jack Della Medellina to knock out Pete Rodriguez, and in the first round, um, ooh, what that hit for you? It, it was such a large mismatch that it was like a minus one twenty five. Oh man, yeah, I mean, we're looking at the odds right now for just money line. Yeah. <laughs> a minus three eighty favorite going into the fight from at the start of the horn, according to DraftKings. Um, yeah, not much really to talk about on this one. It was kind of a mismatch from the beginning. I think a lot of people, I, I think the money on Jack Medellina, I saw somewhere there was something like ninety percent of the money was on yeah. Medellina to win. So it was kind of one of those. Uh, Lopsided. Yeah, and then you had to pick by by way of victory. And even then, a minus odds for a knockout. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's always cool to see knockouts. But yeah. Yeah, it just uh, – we'll, I'll take it. I will mm-hmm. I will take it. Yeah. Um. So next fight, Ronnie Barcelos and Victor Henry. This, to me, was one of the most entertaining fights of the night. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, dude. I'm looking at the stats right now. It <laughs> was – have you looked at it? Look I at haven't it looked quick. at the actual stats yet. They've both 134 total strikes for uh, Barcelos and 222 for Henry. I mean, these guys just threw it out. Absolutely. And I think, uh, what was it? I don't know how these didn't get, I mean, I understand why they don't get fight of the night. Um, but it was an entertaining, basically kickboxing fight where two guys, uh, Ronnie Barcelos is so good good technically and he's such a good counter puncher but victor henry's just volume alone was so hard to keep up with yeah his pace was immaculate he took this fight on short notice which was crazy because he went the full 15 Mm -hmm. pressuring 
And by the end of it, Barcelos was breathing out of his mouth. Yeah, he I was think, exhausted. I think we talked about this last week too. Uh, those short notice fights go one of two ways: they either get their ass whooped or they whoop the guy's ass. Because either you know someone broke their body down over an entire training camp, and you're coming in fresh. All you did was have to cut the weight. You're staying in the gym or whatever. Jesus, this is a fun one to watch. Dude. It was. It was not fun for my uh, account, however. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bar- uh, I I took Barcelos in the parlay that originally failed. It failed with the K Hansen bet. So right off the bat, it it failed. So I thought, I think going into the second round, I took Ronnie Barcelos live line. He was like a plus one hundred five or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, going into the fight, they closed out. He was a minus 510 favorite. So, um, and then Victor Henry was a plus 375. So, you bet 10 bucks, win $37.50. Yeah. So, um, I thought those would have been pretty good odds to take Barcelos. I thought he did lose that first round. Came out in the second, looked pretty good. I felt okay. And then by the end of that third round, it was clear that Victor Henry had came very well prepared. Mm-hmm. And I had clearly underestimated <laughs> yeah, definitely worked the body a lot I, I mean i'm looking at i see this is the one where i was transitioning in between uh going home and uh being over at our buddy's house mm. so i missed some of it and i didn't see the judges scorecards or when bruce read them all three of them judged it 27 or 30 to 27 yeah yeah and i i agree yeah, they're just like, geez, it's just, uh, it's fantastic, fun to watch. I'll have to watch it back again too, because I was, like I said, I missed some of it, but just, I don't know. I I liked what I think what the judges saw, and I think the reason why Victor Henry won every round was because of the exchanges that were happening. Victor Henry was not only leading them, but he was winning them. Yeah. So, you know, it's one thing to lead exchanges. But a guy, a guy who's so technically sound at counterpunching like Barcelos is, um, you know, you, you wait for your partner to lead, and then you go ahead and counterattack, and then you end up winning those exchanges, except Victor Henry's relentless pressure just ate some punches, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, credit to him. We'll talk, talk about this too much longer, but um, thoroughly entertaining fight. Very. Um, so we'll get into the main card. The first fight on the card, Michael Morales knocks out Trevin Giles. I didn't know Michael Morales was 22. Yeah. I mean, he's got kind of a baby face, but I thought he was at least our age. You know, 25, 26. Yeah, and Trevin Giles went down from middleweight to welterweight. Uh, I, That's a big cut, man. It is. I, I took Michael Morales' money line, so it was a pick em. Both of these guys closed out at minus 110 odds. Perfectly okay with that because I know beginning of the week Morales was – slight favorite i think he was a minus 120 minus 115 mm-hmm. um to giles 105 uh, but that was a he looked good i mean it was a quick fight mm-hmm. it was over in less than a minute yeah and I mean, he got hit 28 times in a minute <laughs> yeah and, and giles knocked him down uh, a couple times i think he got credited with one knockdown, sat him down. Giles tried getting back up while he was against the cage, and then Morales kind of stood over the top of him and started wailing on him. Called the fight. I know Giles was not very happy with the stoppage. Um, were yeah. you able to catch this one? Yeah, I did see this one. This was the one that I had missed just a little bit of, just the the first part of it. I ran it back, obviously, because you know, I paid for it. I can do that. Um, 
Yeah, I, I did end up seeing it. Um, I was kind of wondering, was it Beltran? Yes. Uh, it was so Beltran. I was, you know, he was, I think Beltran did a really good job on this one, to be honest with you. Um, there were some areas where he could have ended it earlier, if we're being honest. You know, some refs might have jumped in, but I thought uh, Beltran did a really good job of composing um, and letting Giles run with the situation, seeing what he would do if he would keep fighting back, keep moving, which he did to Giles' credit. But by the time he did call it, it was over. I mean, I understand why they protest, but at that point, it was it was far too gone. It was one of those ones where, like, the guy's out for, like, point five seconds or out for a very quick second that snaps back to life. Yeah, you hit him back awake. Yeah, <laughs> and by that, but he wasn't, he was in a lot of trouble there. Even if he does recover there, that's, he's he's asking for a lot. But I guess I was listening to the broadcast and Michael Morales, before the age of 20, was the national champion in Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu in Ecuador. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, the dude's an absolute animal. So a prospect to keep your eyes on um, in future bets. Especially in this ever-interesting welterweight division. Absolutely. So, um, I mean, the guy's 13-0. Yeah. Regardless of, you know, what organization he fought in before. That's still impressive. Absolutely. So keep your eye out for that name. Uh, We'll go on to a Bantamweight fight. Cody Stamen inside Nurmagomedov. I had taken uh, Nurmagomedov... Um, I took his, I put his money line in a parlay with uh, a future fight we'll talk about. Um, but I also, in the podcast, said Syed Nurmagomedov by decision. Um, and he won by submission. Yeah. I... Like, this is the one that pisses me off the most, I think, of all my losses. Like, I can accept I make a bet. It's wrong whatever like i picked the wrong guy okay fine when i pick the right guy and he wins by a way that he doesn't win by like the dude's a kickboxer through yeah. and through and he wins by a rear naked choke no it's uh, a guillotine or yeah a guillotine. the uh, tightest guillotine i've ever seen in my life dude that one hurt well i mean i took him so uh, real quick to go back i had morales i had a five leg parlay which you get more into, it's the entire main card. Um, I had Morales by just money line, and then I also had Nurmagomedov, Jesus, Syed in money line as well. But I also had a side bet with him to win by KO or TKO or DQ, and uh, obviously that didn't fucking hit. But at the same time, I'm sitting there, he comes out of the gate, spinning kick, just absolutely piecing him up. I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, it, at, at any second now, he's going to get this knockout. I get the money line in the parlay, and then I also get the knockout. And now Stanman goes straight to a takedown, guillotine. The, like I said, the tightest one I've ever seen in my life. Taps Im- immediately. As soon as they hit the ground, he taps. Yeah. and uh, it was... Which I understand, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I I'm, I'm, can't fault him for that. But no, like... not at all. And usually when you get rocked like that, and you shoot him for a takedown, and then someone catches you. At that point, you're kind of like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm in trouble. So he might have been kind of breathing heavy, anyways. So, but it was and those spinning uh, kicks to the body. Oh, that'll take knock the, the wind out, out of you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, real quick. Um, but that one hurt too. Another performance of the night for Sayed Nurmagomedov. Um, like we said, not related to Khabib, and not a wrestler. 
So, but, but Theo Theo Vaughn, comedian, podcaster. It's like you can't tell me that they're not related. They all come from the same place in some fucking way. They're related. <laughs> it's like uh, probably distant cousins or whatever, same last name, whatever. But still, it's funny. Yeah. So um, disappointing, but also part of the parlay and the money line. So it's whatever. So the next fight was the second leg on this parlay that I had taken. Uh, Michael Pereira and Andre Fie- Michel. Michel, Pereira. yeah. I, I I said that in the beginning, and then I was corrected on fight night by John Anik. Not personally. The great John Anik. Absolutely fantastic. But um, this was also a very entertaining fight. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, it was a unanimous decision win. Uh, but it was close at one point, I think, mm-hmm. towards the end of the first second. Or second. I think towards the end of the second, yeah. Pereira started pulling away a little bit. Yeah. I also feel like Fialo had him in a little bit of trouble. Uh, or, or he had him in trouble. But we talked about it last week. We know uh, Michel is a crazy fighter. He some, he used to, I'll say this, he used to wear himself down in the fight doing his antics and whatnot. Um, I want to give him a ton of credit in his past couple, especially this one. Staying calm and collected, reserving that energy uh, for that third round. Um, Fiala, honestly, I thought he put out a great fight. You know, it was his debut, too. You're going against a guy who has 40 fights professionally. Um, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and Pereira had a very good performance. The one thing I don't understand were those flying knees when he had Fiala Mm. in trouble. Maybe so going like for a flashy KO. I, I think know. so, but you were winning the distance battle. You're yeah. winning. You're winning because of your distance strikes and those liver kicks. Yeah, those were brutal. Those were horrible to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wish I could do that. <laughs> yeah, like spinning, spinning like kicks to the stomach, and then Once just the straight up the kicks. middle of the teep yeah. kicks. Yeah, teep kicks. Um, those are gross, by the way. They. Those hurt so bad. And he got he uh, Fiala got caught in the cup with the heel on. The oh line. yeah, that was that didn't look good. Yeah. But um, imagine that you get kicked in the stomach and the heel <laughs> catches your dick. <laughs> I would. Brutal. I don't get how these guys just pop back up. Um, no, that's no. going to be a question maybe for another fighter that we we bring on just yeah. to talk or about. Or Brian that. again, yeah, and maybe hopefully yeah, Brian hopefully. if you're listening to this come back on. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was a strange decision by. Pereira, I, I know, I understand what he was trying to do, but mm-hmm. if you're winning that battle of distance control and you're winning with those straight punches, why even bother running in for a knee? Like, multiple times. And then... Yeah. Especially when I have him by knockout. Oh, you did? I, uh, so I, I took I took Pereira by decision, so okay. that works. Yeah, but, yeah, we did go back and forth on that last week a little bit. I took him, he was the third leg of my main card parlay, and I had him winning by knockout. Um... Which makes those knees more disappointing now that I remember that I had him by knockout because, you know, I want my money. But still, uh, at the end of the day, I just think the veg- uh, the craziness, even dialed down a bit, was a little bit too much for Fialo, especially in his UFC debut. And obviously we saw the, uh, a veteran go against, you know, a guy that's not new to the sport, obviously, but, you know, there's levels to this. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that was a big mo- – that- Pereira won me a lot of money um, that night, so thank you to him. He just looks like he's having so much fun out there, too. He does. They all do. He's an animal. Winning, but, like, is he even more so? 
Alright, so we'll go on to the co-main event, Brandon Moreno and Davidson Figueredo um, in a flyweight title bout. Um, this was, I mean, it was an easy fight of the night choice just because I, I these are always, again. yeah, these guys are always going to throw down and it's fantastic to watch. It's, I will, and to think two years ago, this, this division was thought of as dead in the water. The, the UFC was thinking, let's get rid of it. Um, and now we're talking about two, uh, a rivalry that is for, for anyone's money, one of the best in the sport. Yeah. And run it back again. Fuck it. Even Davidson said after the fight. Well, he's been back and forth about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But w- getting into the fight, I took Moreno's uh, money line. I well, first I my my first main bet was over three and a half, so I mm-hmm. won there. My money line was also part of a parlay with Michael Pereira. I put I took three bets on Pereira without even realizing it because I was just like <laughs> hemorrhaging money in the beginning of the fight. So I'm just like, ah, screw it, we're gonna do this. Oh, shit, this, we this, gotta this, win this. somewhere. Yeah. We, so <laughs> I was just like throwing money at all these guys. Didn't realize I placed that many bets on Pereira, but that one didn't hit. Um, but man, it was that. This was a fun fight. I felt like since I had taken Moreno's money line, maybe I'm biased, mm-hmm. but I thought that he won that fight. And I think what it comes down to is volume versus moments. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Moreno had the volume. Obviously, I thought he. Did enough, and this is something you've always said to me. When you want to beat the champ, you got to beat him decisively. He knocked him down, what, twice? But it wasn't like he... he sat him down twice, yeah. Yeah, sat him down twice, but it wasn't like he... Like, it, he was in any real danger. I mean, he got right back up and hit him with a five-piece. You know? Yeah, and I... That's part of the... Um, that That's kind of like one of those old-school thoughts, though. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes into play a lot when you talk about um if you if, if we're talking about a sport where it's points based so you score rounds based on how many points someone scores in that round not yeah. necessarily in a 10-8 boxing mm-hmm. style yeah that makes more sense to me yeah when it comes to who won rounds i can understand why the judges scored it the way they did because in two of the rounds Figueredo knocked down Moreno when Moreno didn't score a single knockdown. Yeah. I mean, he had him stunned a, numer- a number of times, but not the way that uh, Figueredo stunned him. Obviously, I mean, he sat him down twice. Uh, I had... I put, I said on a podcast last week that Moreno was going to win. The fourth leg of my parlay was on Figgy. So, main card were four and so a, far. He did a Hank. I did a Hank. I, I don't even... Um, I faded myself, and this off one paid way. off. So, but yeah, I, it was still a great fight. Like fight of the night, obviously. Like I just enjoy watching these two guys go at it so much. Like I, I don't even want to see them fight anyone else for the rest of their careers. <laughs> just just line these guys up <laughs> back to back to back to back to back. Um. So yeah, we'll we'll get more into news uh, later in the podcast, and we'll discuss more about. Um, the future of the flyweight title, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I thought I, I I I understand why the bout scored the way it was in favor of Figueredo. Did you do you agree uh, with the uh, unanimous? I mean, unanimous just means all three of them thought yeah. of that. I thought maybe one guy. I, I figured I thought it was going to be a split. Yeah, 
when he said I mean, unanimous, Sal was on the card. Well, when too. he said <laughs> Alex, when he said unanimous, I thought, oh, it's staying with Moreno. Yeah. As yeah. soon as he said unanimous, I was like, oh, we're fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then he said and new, and then everyone in the party was like, what the hell? How? Yeah. How? <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, but all right, we'll move on from that one. We'll go into the heavyweight title bout. This one I'm interested to hear your take on. I'm, I'm interested to hear um, what you thought of this fight and the, the way it played out. Uh, so, first of all, I'd like to state, whoever the fuck taught Francis Ngannou how to wrestle is an absolute menace to society. I mean, you created the ultimate fighting human being. There, Daniel Cormier talks about it in the commentary, but a wizard kick. Yeah, he caught his leg on a kick, got a, a takedown. The double leg against the fence. These are things two years, even a year ago, I would never expect from Francis Ngannou. Um, Let's say the, the wizard kick's a judo move. It's still, we use it in wrestling all the time. Like, you know how long it took me to learn how to do a wizard a wizard kick correctly? It's hard just to do a wizard. Yeah, exa- exactly my point. So, f- whoever, I'm assuming it's Kamaru Usman and his coaches, obviously. Kamaru in his corner again. Uh, we all know Kamaru's pedigree of wrestling. But at the end of the day, like, he looked, his wrestling, even with one knee, it was unbelievable. Um, I th- he definitely won the fight, obviously. I would like to point out, too. So, obviously, we see on the on the tail of the tape or whatever that they're the same height, and they're pretty close in weight. DC talks about it in the commentary, too. Francis looks like he's 275 in the cage. You can see a clear difference in how much bigger Ngannou was than Gane. I mean, you look at... Francis's legs compared to Gon's legs. I mean, it, it, they didn't even look like they were in the same weight class. His back was huge. Like, it, dude, he's so fucking big. He has so much power, and now he knows the ground game. I mean, he defended. Not that a Kimura is the hardest thing in the world to defend. He defended a Kimura, a leg lock. Well, he got the leg lock. But you only, bro, the legs are already torn. You, what are you going to do? <laughs> you can't do any more damage to a leg that doesn't have an ACL. Yeah, and uh, you know what? was I, I? There's a lot of things that go into this. Um, if you guys weren't aware, like Mike said, uh, Nganu did say that he had torn ligaments in one of his knees. Um, and but So when you, when you think about it in retrospect, and I know hindsight's 50-50, mm-hmm. it makes so much sense to wrestle Cyril Gan. Yeah. Because he is... He's a European kickboxer. That's what you do with European kickboxers. Mm-hmm. You you take them to the ground, you make them feel pressure, and you make them very uncomfortable. Um, and to be honest, with you, I know this fight ended up being, I think they scored it a, what was it, a 49, a four, what was it? It was a 49-47, I think. Hold on, let me pull Does that up. add up in the rounds? 49-46. 49-46, 48-47, 48-47. So, yeah, I um, so I thought going into that last round they were tied at four rounds apiece, or at two rounds apiece. Yeah, you could definitely make your argument for that. Especially, Gon had more strikes, even though they're little teep kicks that you don't do a whole lot of damage. They, I bet they still hurt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the dude's 250 still. Um, but at the end of the you know, it, I agree with you, to be honest with you. So I thought going into that, they were tied in the fifth. So I, I, mm-hmm. I, I swore it kind of came down to that last round. And then Gon scored the takedown in that, and 
we've seen Francis getting taken down, like with in that Stipe fight, mm-hmm. where he was unable to do anything from yeah. the bottom position. He gassed himself out. Um, so then, I, what I don't understand from Shogun is that heel hook attempt. Yeah, to because literally give up top position to go for the leg lock. You give up not only hook, you give up you give up top position, and then the danger of you not securing that submission means when people when they teach you to defend that, it ends with you basically. So if you guys aren't aren't sure of what this looks like, what we're picturing in our heads is when you have a heel hook on someone, your heads are on opposite ends of the equation. I guess would be the best way to put it. So you're both you're sitting, looking at each other. You're, lo- yeah, you're looking at each other from basically a seated laying down position. Yeah. And the way that they tell you to defend that is basically just work your way back to top position. Yeah. So, the the if you don't secure a heel hook, more than likely the guy's gonna end up on top of you. Mm-hmm. If they defend it properly, which yes. Ngannou did. So then, why? Why go? Why throw up a submission in a fight that you can presume is tied two to two, especially a, a submission that is so high of a risk of backfiring yeah. if defended properly? Yeah, it especially in no the fifth round when they're sweaty too. It, yeah, the leg, no even with the knee pads, his legs are still sweaty. I just thought about this. What if after that fourth round in Gon's corner, I don't don't speak French, so I don't know what they're saying. We oui, we. Oui. Um, what if they said, hey, man, you're down 3-1. to one. You need a finish here. You know, I, I don't know if that's what they said, obviously, but you know, I'm thinking, like, taking a risk that big, maybe something in his head or from his corner was telling him, like, hey, you're, you're this is not tied right now. You're down. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it wasn't the most entertaining fight to watch. No. And I thought the way that that fight was paced was a Sirogan fight. Yeah, they, they they kept saying it in the commentary too. It's like this is Gon's style of fight, slower paced, more uh, pick pick your punches, piece them apart, like a karate kind of yeah, karate style. Um, but yeah, I mean, Shirogan, or excuse me, Francis Ngannou retains the belt. Mm-hmm. Um, so congrats, well, champ. Yeah, and I mean, it couldn't happen. I, I both of these guys are like the nicest guys in the world. Yeah. So I, I, I it feels it, I, I love Francis Ngannou. Um, he just seems like such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. So I mean, good for him. Yeah. Um. So we'll segue that into. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. He's, he's, so Mike has a little bit more. So like last week, because I gambled on this one. Like last week, I said I was gonna fade myself. I faded myself. I had Francis money line, separate from my five leg parlay. And I had Francis in my five-leg parlay. That was the entire main card, making me 5-0 and on the main card to win uh, plus $200 on a, ten, on a $10 bet. So uh, best weekend of my life, not including football because that gets even better, but it's not a football podcast. Well, you know, it's pretty, I'm feeling pretty fucking good, and we don't have any cards to bet on this weekend. So I, you know, I'm not too happy. Yeah, that does stink. But uh, you know, as you said, uh, thank you Niners and Bengals. Yes, um, yes. Bet both those money lines. But like you said, not a football podcast. Mm-hmm. But all right. Ooh. Real quick, all I have to gamble is Jason's shitty hockey picks that we went zero three on tonight. 
He has been on a cold streak. I've been betting for him, too. I like that you and me both have his uh, password saved on our phones. Yeah. yeah. Like we, we both know what his accounts are. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I te- or no, I definitely texted him earlier. I'm like, are you winning any of these bets that I'm placing? Because I've placed bets for him every single day this week, and I don't think any of them have won. I'll, I'll have to look back at the history. But <laughs> it's not it's not looking good. Well, he texted our group, and he was saying that he's um, – He's just been he's been very cold recently. Um, so I'm He also imagining... just texted me, I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> the life of the degenerate. Um, so I, I don't know, do you have anything else you wanted to comment on uh, this card? Like I said, fantastic card. Um, congrats to both Davison and Francis. Um, except for Davison's coach. The, who's the guy with the white glasses? That guy annoys me. Yeah, I don't really like him either. Um I don't know his name. He works with Paulo Costa too. He's from yeah Cejudo's camp. Yeah, but he, like I, I, that's why I recognize him. I recognize him from Costa's camp and Figueredo's camp. Mm-hmm. And every time the dude's always talking mad shit, and he's always like trying to be in the spotlight. When I look at coaches, and this is nothing against them, I don't know the guy, but when I look at coaches, you know some of the greatest coaches of all time, they never want to hog the spotlight. It's not about them. It's about the fighter. And I just get like a, kind of a feeling from him, like it's he tries to make it a little bit about him. I could be wrong, don't know the guy, but it seems that way. By the way, speaking of Henry Cejudo, is he the greatest coach of all time now too? <laughs> no, Whaley ruined that. Oh shit! I forget. I keep forgetting about. It. I, for, I forget about this. <laughs> R.I.P. My uh, my aunt on that one. Um, so, anyways, uh, we'll, we'll we'll transition into news. So <laughs> yeah, we'll go right into what's going on with the heavyweight division um i am very curious to see (laughs) i'm curious to see how this is going to play out with nganu's contract um i know now that they don't have necessarily exclusive rights to Mm -hmm. they don't have them anymore basically well because there used to be there used to be a thing where if you held the title you can perpetually be the ufc can perpetually hold on to your rights forever well they're still holding on to george st pierre's rights which is funny, but that that's because of that old contract before yeah. that yeah. before that class action lawsuit in 2017. Mm-hmm. Now that lawsuit has made amendments to fighter contracts to where that they have an indefinite ending, either by year or by fight number. Mm-hmm. And then eight fights, I believe, was on his contract. Yeah, he had eight fights. He fought them out, and now he's looking to basically violate a UFC stipulation that is uh, exclusive exclusivity. Mm-hmm. So they can't cross promote, and the only exception they've ever made for that is Conor McGregor with boxing. I don't see why not for Francis. I uh, under, I mean, I, I think Dana is just so mad at the whole, um, like the whole situation of the boxing community, kind of, and, and you know the amount of money that's being thrown around compared to what's going on in the UFC, mm-hmm. and we can we can. I think you and me can do a whole podcast sitting down and talking about fighter pay, where it's at, um, why things are the way that they are, and I and, and if we wanted to, we could talk about this class action lawsuit because it is. A, you know way more about it than I do. So basically, what happened? If you if uh, for for you don't have to a, go entirely into yeah, it, but just yeah. a small give, level. Give a gist. Give a gist of background. In 2017, there was a coalition of fighters, um, either in the UFC or had fought for the UFC. Um, that sued the UFC for a uh, not a monopoly but a monopsily 
And a monopsoly, instead of it, so you know how a monopoly is, you own the entire industry. Yeah. And you're owning all of the resources? Yes. Or you're owning all of the selling points. Okay. So a monopsoly is a mirror of that. So a monopsoly is you own all the buying resources. Okay, I get it. So the UFC having a monopsoly of buying all the best fighters in the world to control their pay. Yes. So now what the the suit is alleging is that since the UFC has bought up every elite fighter in the world, they now have no competition for other fighters to go out and seek better payment because they won't be fighting the best competition. So the UFC holds all of the drawing power. Mm -hmm. So now they're using that to control wages for the workers. Mm -hmm. And this has been such a long case, and they haven't even gone into a settlement period for it. It's taken, a, it's taken a very long time. There's been guys that have dropped in and out of it because they no longer qualify for class action. Um, there's been... Um, UFC has basically been postponing it. There was another class action lawsuit that came out pretty much immediately right after that because obviously the lawsuit only covered up to what happened through 2017. Mm-hmm. After 2017, UFC made amendments to their contracts and then another group of fighters sued the UFC again after UFC, after 2017 up till present day. UFC wants to combine those two into one lawsuit. It's just, it's a whole crazy thing. Um, like I said, we could do a whole podcast about this. 30, I, for, 30 for 30? I've basically, I basically read the, the document. I don't know why I did that. I was very interested in this. Well, because it's the only monotony, monot, monotony? Monotony case in the U.S. that has ever gotten this far, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Because most of the time when you're talking monopoly, you're talking about consumers how the consumers are affected because the people who own monopoly control the selling points so they're then they can control price you can control the premium of you're controlling the supply yeah soon you know but in this case it's the other way around the the people the consumers like you and me who are buying fights are not really affected by this no it's the employees of the company that are affected and that's never been done before that makes sense um but anyways to get back to ingani the whole reason why this thing is kind of turning into a mess is because this class action lawsuit changed how they structure contracts in the UFC to where the UFC is now trying to kind of say like, okay, we do give you guys some rights. So they're trying to kind of damage control it a bit. Mm-hmm. But then that means that Nganu does hold power to say, I, I don't have to f- defend this title anymore. Yeah. I'm no yeah. longer perpetually held to this organization because I hold the title. And... That leaves a lot of it. It leaves the whole division in limbo. Yeah. I don't know. So I talked to my brother about this earlier this week. Um, I, and I see Francis is rumored to make like $2 million on this fight total. Because he's still on his old contract. It hasn't been renewed yet. So he's not. He gets paid for a few points, but it's not. He doesn't have his fight salary that's reset. Um, he's definitely worth more than $2 million. Here's my thing. They're, they're both being fucking stubborn right now. It would be dumb for Francis to leave the UFC and go fight for another MMA organization. Because, yeah, they can tell you they're going to pay you X amount. But you're not going to get the same exposure. You're not going to get the same number of pay-per-view points. And, yeah, you'll get the box. Your, your legacy will not be as good at the end of the day. Okay, so that's my thinking from, if I'm Francis, like, hey, 
But if I'm Dana, Dana, fucking get him back. I don't care how much he fucking wants. He's your biggest draw for any casual fan of the UFC or fighting. Okay? He's paying, what, fucking $10 million a fight with pay-per-view? You got a lot of money. More money than I'll ever have in my life. Regardless. And then he gets pay-per-view, he's $20 million. Who's not going to be fucking happy with $20 million a fight? It's not the same as boxing. And then also add in the boxing clubs. Who gives a shit? Who cares, dude? Let the man do what he wants. He did it for Connor. Why not do it for Francis? He's your biggest draw since Connor. Worldwide. I, I think I would agree with that. Other than I think what Dana's thinking is, um, I think it's more along the lines of if you do this for Nganu, then you're starting to kind of create a, you're creating a precedent that you'll bend, you'll bend over for these fighters, and that if well, they start demanding these higher pays. Once they got, start getting the title shots, they're they drawing more. more it should be, <laughs> because I think one of the main, one of the main arguments in those lawsuits was the, the, the profit, uh, the profit sharing percentage. You know, across the four major sports leagues, it's fifty fifty for the most part. Yeah, like I know at least in the NFL, it's fifty percent go to the players. Mm-hmm. So, in the UFC, it's only twenty. I think it's eighteen, which is. You, even more whatever right it right it's but, not 50 50 <laughs> no so i think the argument there would be make it 50 50 because in the end these are the guys who are giving you product yeah um and i understand that if you do allow this to happen that um it kind of creates a big it would it wouldn't allow the ufc to op- it definitely would not allow the ufc to operate the way it does now no but they, they're going to have to grow and change at some point. Um, I would rather not see them hold out so long. Uh, but at the same time, but, but, I always think about this in the back of my head too. Think about how um, how young the UFC is compared to the NFL, NBA, NHL. Um, what am I missing? Of the four major. NHL? Yeah. NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB. and the MLB. Sorry, I forget about baseball because it sucks so much. Hey, come on. Don't be like that. Um, but like, uh, how long is... The, the MLB's been around since God knows how long. I don't even know. Um, NHL, original six, what? You probably know. Not off the top of my head. Okay, then never mind. But that, I just think they're also so young that they might not be able to make the change yet. But I don't know. That that's just something that's always in the well, back of my head when we talk about this too. It's also different because all of those aforementioned uh, organizations, their employees are unionized. Yeah. The UFC does not have union. Yeah, they don't have a UFCPA. Yeah, they they don't have a fighters union, so yeah. they can't bargain collectively. So that's kind of what's going on with it. That's what's going on with the MLB lockout right now is mm-hmm. that that collective bargain agreement expired. Um, and they can't they can't come to a settlement. But again, that's a totally different thing. Uh, but it, it does kind of it does mess with it a little bit, um, and it upsets the bargaining power more towards the UFC side. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of why that that profit sharing margin is so big. Um, but I mean, unless you have much more, we we can move on. Yeah, it's just above my pay grade. <laughs> Um, so we'll move on to. Um, but, oh, hold on, real quick, yeah. real quick. It is a very interesting topic. Like, 
maybe someday we should do it just because you know way more than I do and I'd love to actually know what the fuck's going on rather than talk out of my ass but just yeah, yeah full I mean I should have said this in the beginning full disclosure not a lawyer not a not, <laughs> I know very little about economics I mean, shit I'm a poli sci guy I'm like, not a fucking lawyer <laughs> what is what is escrow <laughs> couldn't tell you I have no idea what that means what is inflation yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I to preface that I don't know much about that. Um, I do want to give credit to um, MMA on Point. It is a YouTube channel. Uh, no free ads, but um, they do these really cool videos explaining a lot of this stuff and a lot of that content that I just mentioned. Um, I have to give credit to them for that. Um, a lot of those, a lot of those facts I, I drew from them. So mm-hmm. um, I did read the document. A lot of lawyer jargon in it. They kind of broke it down for me a little bit easier. A little bit more digestible, and hopefully that was wasn't too boring for you guys. But whatever, fuck it. It's our podcast. We yeah. say whatever we want. That's true. If I wanted to talk about weird noodles for thirty minutes, we're gonna talk about that. I mean, shit. We talk about poop at least once a week. All right, but well, I'm not you didn't have to bring it, it up again. But you no. you just brought it up. Yeah, but Alex isn't here, so we won't go into detail. Um, I'm with also your, guilty of that. With I'm your the min- instigator, to be honest with you. With your minty. F- but no, 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 no. like come on spicy like who chooses to have spicy butthole <laughs> why is mint spicy <laughs> it is isn't it like when you chew no. gum chew gum is uh, five gum is spicy pal, it's all fucked up <laughs> why is it spicy <laughs> anyway let's let's get into whatever else the fuck is going on all right so we'll, we'll kind of get into the um the the flyweight um title fight too that also is kind of up for question. I know um, Figueredo said, okay, like, let's do a fourth one. And then he kind of went back on that and said, you know, if Moreno wants to complain or whatever, because um, I know Moreno didn't initially want to fight Figueredo again. Um, after he had won the belt, he wanted to kind of give someone else a shot. But then, you know, afterwards he said that he was up for it. Um, so now Figueredo seems like he's kind of taken that out on uh, Moreno a bit. Uh, but I, I'm not sure because he had mentioned that he wanted to do Mexico City, uh-huh. and then he recanted on that and said, "We're not getting out of there alive if I win the belt." So then well, let's do it you in. Say the same for Moreno in in Rio. He said, "Yeah, he said let's do it in Brazil," <laughs> which like either one I'm up for. I yeah. think it would be cool either way to have. It would be cool to have a home fight again for an international guy because we haven't had that since we haven't. Well, we haven't had it since before the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, ever since. This goddamn pandemic. It's man. been, yeah, it's been since 2019 since we've had an international fight. Um, uh, they had one in Brazil right before they locked us down, but it wasn't. It was a, it was a, a free card though, right? A free card, no crowd. Yeah, and we're, and we're obviously in March not, of 2020. We're obviously not talking about Abu Dhabi either. No, you could consider that home crowd for Habib, but it's also not. It wasn't in an arena with 20,000. No. And so, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. But yeah, and kind of an interesting thing there. But um, say that we do have, um, let's. See, I'm gonna look up the flyweight ranking. Well, I, I, you know my feelings. You know my feelings. Runner back, um, for a fourth one. First one doesn't count. They're one and one. Uh, <laughs> but I'd like to see Kai Car France. I know he is set to fight in the March card in Columbus. Um, can't remember who he's fighting in that. Oh, Askar Askarov. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, 
So we're looking at the flyweight rankings right now. Um, yeah, I, there's. I mean, this division has kind of come back to life. Yeah, Roy Vault just coming off a win too. That was well. Uh, meh, uh, he didn't look very good. Still, that was very. I wouldn't say he's title shot ready, but at the same time, um, I, I mean, Askar Askarov makes a lot of sense too. Yeah. Uh, but if I, you're not gonna do one of. If you're not going to do Moreno Figueredo four, you're going to have to do Askarov. I mean, it's it. He's right there. He's number two. Yeah, I mean that wouldn't bug me either. Has Has Figueredo ever fought Askarov? I don't believe so. So he's fought Perez. I know Perez is like third. He's fought Benavidez like fifteen times. Well, he um, missed weight that one time. Oh, that's right. Um, was it? I, I fucking hate, but yeah. We'll get it later. Yeah, um, we don't have to at all. But yeah, I, I'm 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 up for a fourth. So am I, and that's what I think people want to see. It's I, just a matter of the division's progression. I yeah. think has a lot to do with. Um, if they want to keep the division alive, they got to keep it moving. But they are they, they are moving it. I mean, if Asker Askarov is the only one really standing out, maybe have him fight somebody else to, you know, get into that title fight. Uh, you know, these guys are entertaining, no matter what. But I don't, I don't know. These these two just going back to back to back, or you know, doing it, a, a fighting three times. It's been so entertaining every single time. Like I don't know how you top any of it. I don't think you really can. I think it's going to be more of uh, along the lines of, you know, just uh, what do you want to do with the people that are, you know, that are kind of sitting around waiting for this to progress. Um, Look for someone to really stand out, maybe? I don't know. I mean, Askarov has done pretty much yeah, everything they've... Yeah, that's, that's true, too. They've, everyone, he's, everyone they've thrown in front of him, he has... Smoked. Pretty much, and it hasn't really been. Ooh, I like that one. Sorry. All right, so uh, I'm trying to think of more fights. Ooh, uh, they just announced one, too. What did they announce? Gaethje Oliveira. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's going to be a banger. And to be honest with you, I don't want to bet against Oliveira, but like it feels like, I don't know, Like every time I look at like who he's facing, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to be the guy that takes it from him. And then... He proves me wrong over and over again. Mm-hmm. He proved well, me well twice. I was, I was thinking about that again. I was like, wait a minute. Who who is Justin Gaethje very similar to, in terms of, outside of Gaethje's leg kicks, obviously, which are from hell. Is it him and him and Dustin are kind of similar? Um, and I was thinking about it like if Oliveira does his body work, he might be able to come out with it, just like he did against Dustin. And we obviously know Gaethje's ground game against Habib. Well, we know Dustin's. We know Dustin's a better. He's a better striker than. Te- better technical striker. Yes, better technical striker. I would and say. And Ga- when Gaethje mixes in the leg kicks, I'd love to see those two go at it again. By the way. Yes. Um, but I think it, we we know that Poirier's. Let's say he's a better. He's a better boxer. Yeah. He's he's, I think one of the best boxers in the in. The whole organization. I have the best boxer in the UFC. That's, that's Max Holloway. Holloway. I, know, I know. Um, that's why I said. But that. then you think Gaethje's probably a better defensive wrestler? 
you know, he's got that D1 pedigree. That Gaethje's got great wrestling defense. We don't give him credit because he went he went against Habib. Um, Poya definitely has a better jiu-jitsu game, but not that that was on display against Oliveira. I don't know if Gaethje can keep it on the feet. I like his chances, but at the same time, Oliveira. We're also like very very early on this fight's not till May, but if Oliveira works his way with him and goes to the ground, he's probably gonna be in trouble. Yeah, I mean, it It kind of makes sense that Oliveira does have a formula um, for most of his fights. I mean, he does have the most finishes in UFC history. He has the most submission wins in UFC history. It would it would just make sense that he would want to get that fight to the ground. It would just be whether his wrestling would be able to Yeah, I don't think up. you want to be on the feet with Gaethje that long, especially with those leg kicks. It's going to affect how the rest of your game plan goes with even, like, five of those. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't want to, like, I, like I said, I, I don't like, I don't feel comfortable betting with Oliveira. Well, we have a lot of time to think about We it. do have a lot of time to think about this, but I was just thinking, like, early preliminary thoughts on this. I don't know who to bet on yet. If I bet with my heart, I'm betting Gaethje. Same. God, you can't not like Oliveira either. I mean, the guy's I know, he's such a good, he's such a good dude, too. It's just like, oh, man. I'd like to see so, that one in Brazil. They gotta stop putting yeah, these guys. Fun. Stop putting. I think that was. I think they were thinking about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I they gotta stop putting these guys against each other that I like a lot. <laughs> they can't then, both win. God it damn it! It hurts me. Um, I feel the same way. So we'll we'll move on. Um, so they uh, the who the fuck is that guy is oh, gone. Geez. Jeremy Stevens has been cut from the UFC roster. Um, kind of without a like a press release or anything really from the UFC, just kind of like omitted his name from the roster. Mm. He just, I don't know, he's gone. And this was a guy who was put on the, that stage of like that, that, that big presser that they had um, when they started doing these mega press conferences. He was one of those guys that they put up there as like a future star, a guy who would um, challenge McGregor at the 145 division, and now he's he's being cut. Yeah, I mean, he's had such an up-and-down career, too. I don't know if cutting him or whatever they did, maybe he retired I don't and wanted to just go off without anything. I don't know. Um, God, he's, he's a banger, dude. He fucking... I mean, I mean, he is technically yeah. right, but he hits people. They don't fucking move. And the fourth, <laughs> fourth most fights in the UFC's history. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of a surprise, like, no... No release on that. Um, did you see what what Kamar Usman said he wanted next? I did not. He said he wanted to move up oh, yeah, from yeah, Welter yeah. to light heavy yeah. and challenge Blahovich for the title. Um, we know that he doesn't... Or, no, no, he wanted... At the time, yeah. yeah. This this quote was coming out. It He said this, and then it came out much, much later. Um, but I think we all know that he doesn't want to fight Israel. Because he doesn't want... He wants three African champions. Yeah. So fine, right? It, it, I can live with that. Um, I don't know why he would want to go up to light heavy. That's so much weight. I mean, he walks around at like 195. But Blahovich would walk around at 230. Yeah, those light heavyweight dudes like, are humongous. They're huge. Like 6'2". They're heavyweights. They just cut weight. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and Not to say that he couldn't. I don't know what would happen. 
Yeah, and his argument was that he's pound for pound and he wants to prove it, but he doesn't want to go up one. He wants to go up two weight classes. I don't see this happening. Nah. Especially think... with the talent in that welterweight division. Yeah. And he's cleaned. And the, the upcomers, too. Yeah, he's cleaned house with the top whatever. But it, now it comes to... The young the young wolves. Yeah, and we're we're still and poor Leon Edwards is still getting overlooked. So, <laughs> God, God damn it! They, man. I mean, they did schedule that fight though. Yeah. yeah. So, um, they did also announce a co-main event for two seventy one, Derek Lewis and Tied to Ivasa. Someone's getting knocked the fuck out. Uh, yeah, and I'm I I'm, I want to see this so badly, and of course. Two guys again that I love. Yeah, they do that to you. I don't know why they do this to me. Well, um, here, what were you gonna say? I was just looking at the the cards for the next month and a half. Dude, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, these are just strictly main events. You got Hermanson versus Strickland. Side two psychopaths. Mm-hmm. That that this fight will be entertaining. Adesanya versus Whitaker too. Two guys I love. Uh, Bobby Knuckles, god damn it. I like really want him to win, but we'll see. Then we got uh, Dos Anjos versus Fiziev, who I kind of just discovered who Fiziev really was when he, after his last fight. Yep. That's bound to be a banger. That's at lightweight. Mm-hmm. Um, then Darius versus Makachev. This is all in February, which I can't wait for that one either. And then I, this is M- March 5th, but Covington versus uh, Masvidal. They're just giving us what we want this year, huh? <laughs> the UFC dropped the bag not making a uh, Ultimate Fighter season out of that. Yeah, I, that one might be annoying to me, though. To be honest with you, it would be very. It, it would never be civilized. No, no. <laughs> They'd just be fucking trying to fight each other and talking shit all day. <laughs> that's what that's what the Ultimate Fighter is. That's what it's uh, Rashad Evans and Rampage back in the day. Yeah. Call me a bitch. Make me a bitch. <laughs> Call me a bitch. Make me a bitch. <laughs> Um, and then what else you got? You go ahead. You're you're, you're, you're uh, rolling with it. And then it kind of it you know Santos versus Anakalev, uh, Volkov versus Aspinall. That's gonna that, be in that London. Aspinall card is in London. Yeah. So I'm actually very excited for that. Where I did want to talk about this with you, Dan Hooker will be fighting at featherweight. Yeah, I remember you and me were texting about this, and Dan Hooker is like one of the. Tallest lightweights I think on the roster. I think he's the biggest lightweight. Like yeah. frame size wise and walking around weight. I think he's the biggest lightweight. It he's six, six feet tall. Yeah. And he's not skinny. He's fucking jacked. His sparring partner is Israel Adesanya at City Kickboxing. Yeah. And yeah. is he, granted, is not the biggest middleweight in the world? He's the best. But he's not, he's not the biggest. Dude, you've sparring partners six foot four middleweight and you're gonna drop another 10 pounds i don't know how hard it is for him to make 155 it might be piece of cake which is why they're choosing to go down to 45 it's not and it, when it gets to 45 it's not like he's getting some fucking slouch he's getting arnie or arnold allen who's number seven in yeah. the rankings i'm really looking forward to ufc london man because so they london always shows out for these fucking things Are they wait is is patty pimblett not on this card uh, let me look, cause I saw something on Instagram. So Patty Pimblett will be on that card. Oh, against, he will uh, be. That was added. It's not on the ESPN um, official card on the app. But obviously, London shows out. 
and they always stack the card with hometown guys, and it's fucking insane. It's electric. I would love to go to it. Obviously, we can't. But if, if honestly, I might take going to London over Vegas. No, come on. Depending on who's the fight card. No way. Dude, London has to be so fucking crazy. Yeah, those fans are nuts. Like, we might get killed just because it's so crazy and we don't know how to handle that shit. Like, you see how crazy they go for soccer? Yeah, but, like, we're not like, over there, like, openly rooting against England. No, I'd be rooting for every English fighter. I don't give a fuck who, <laughs> is, who else is fighting on the card. Well, I like I like Tom Aspinall. I mean, how can you not like Paddy the Fatty? Oh, he's funny, man. He's funny. Uh, just super entertaining, guys. And then uh, Aspinall is just a really good dude. Yeah. Here, like, watch his interviews. Mm-hmm. Especially um, when he's talking to Bisping and taking uh, little Callum Bisping under his wing when he went over to London. Yeah. Jeez. That's pretty Gotta cool. Gotta love him. Um, and then after that, I think we have the, the card in um, Columbus. So yeah. Which, that'll be cool. And I, I know me and Alex were talking about going to that. Um, oh, so. no. Uh, wait. That's the following weekend. Yeah. Because I was thinking, I'm like, wait a minute. March 19th, I won't be able to go to, but it is March 26th, Blahovich versus Rakic. That'll and be a good one. guess what fights on that? Speaking of the flyweight Yeah, division, Askar Askarov and Kaikar France. It's got to be a title eliminator. It has to be. Uh, Michelle Watterson and Amanda Hiba. Let's go! <laughs> uh, who else? Joanne Calderwood, Alexa Grosso. Alexa Grosso is up and coming. She's really, really good. And I remember uh, Sung-Hoo Choi. You remember his we're, last fight? We're, we're, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. We're, we're trying to preview this Well, card. I can't even go to the goddamn thing. But still, still. If All you right. guys end up going to that, that would be so much fun. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, So I, I don't have much else to really talk about. Do you Do you have anything else on your mind? I'm sure I'll think about it on the drive home, and I'll be pissed about it. But for right now, I'm, I'm pretty much set. We realized that we didn't have a card to preview this weekend, but we wanted to talk about 270. And, you know. And then we realized... Oh my god, it's Thursday. We should probably do this. Yeah. I didn't write a script. Not bad for winging it. No, yeah, we literally just hopped on the mic and said, let's just talk about what's yeah. been on our mind. I feel like the only part we need a script for is like our actual, like, Picks. what we're going to bet on for the next weekend. Or like when you, uh, or, <laughs> I, I like your notes. Crazy guy by knockout. Yeah, I, for, <laughs> I forgot to spell his name. Or his last name, but like you didn't even give yourself a reason why you picked him by knockout. You just said, ah, this is that knockout. was my trust me, bro. Um, no, man. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I'll definitely remember something in the car that I wanted to talk to you about that. I talked to my brother about earlier this week, but uh, fuck it for now. All right, guys, uh, that'll wrap up our two seventy review. Um, thanks again for listening. We'll, we'll, we will talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Have a good weekend, everybody. See you next week.